Hello everyone, quick update on the podcast. It's been over a year since we've uploaded anything because we've been quite busy. We've recorded a few episodes, but we haven't had time to upload them. All this to say is we have more episodes coming. They'll be coming out in the next few weeks. As well as, we have two more episodes to record before the end of the year. Stay tuned for those. I'm really excited. Some are from the past in 2020, and some are brand new from 2021. Thank you for staying avid fans, and I really appreciate your support. Now please enjoy the Halloween 2020 special episode. Lucas 2 Blue Network presents... Welcome to Late Night with Lucas 2 Blue. I am your host, Lucas McCormick, and I'm joined with Duncan Miller, and we have a special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself? 
Um, yeah, uh, at Uncle Peanut, but my name's Nick. Uh, I don't know, former movie theater manager, not with COVID going on though. Yeah, uh, some of you have seen, uh, listen to my podcast, you might recognize Nick. He was on an episode back in, I want to say, early, was it early this year? I think it was early this year. Or was it early the previous year? Previous year, yeah, right before you went to school, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, but we do, we worked at a movie theater together. Uh, Nick has a master's in, is it film studies? Yeah, film studies. Yeah, and he wrote his thesis on horror. So we thought it would be a great idea to have him on since he's going to be on a podcast in the future. Um, but yeah, Nick, do you want to say anything about yourself before we kind of jump into this? Um, no, just a diehard horror fan. Uh, my thesis mainly was focused on newer horror. Um, I really wanted to delve in that, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s has been kind of played out, um, endless, endless literature on it. So, um, plenty of opinions. So I jumped into, uh, yeah, I think the, everything after 2000, I didn't do any movies before 2000. So all post-millennial horror. So that's gotcha. the emphasis I'm on. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we we decided that this was going to be our first new format show. Uh, Duncan, do you want to kind of explain to the audience that's watching what our new format looks like? So in contrast to what we would refer to as a franchise frenzy, the new format episode basically <clears throat> gives us a chance to do less prep, just come in, have a real honest conversation about movies doesn't have to be something that we planned out way ahead of time it just has to be something that we all watch we all have a common sort of theme with we can come in have a conversation just kind of goof around and 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 sort of embrace the live atmosphere of this live stream and just just kind of talk about movies in this case we settled on horror movies per for halloween want to send everybody some spooky vibes out there celebrating in this this weird world that we're in but yeah looking forward to new uh new format new spin on things yeah sorry i've decided to put nick on screen since his camera's on he has he has both alien and godzilla featured in the background and i i appreciated that so let's that, push uh, you that Godzilla here. Criterion collection came at the beginning of this quarantine and then it lasted about two days before I watched all of them. <laughs> How many movies are in there? Um, I think <clears throat> it's ten. Like ten of the original okay. Toho's. It goes up to mm-hmm. um should I can't remember the one where uh, with baby Godzilla where the kid imagines they're on the island dreams they're on but yeah it was good and then the alien is just the artwork from the films a lot of emphasis on hr geiger but some of the other newer artists that have tackled the thing that's funny i just for one of my classes i just went to uh a screening slash uh talk with the director of memory 
um this week i don't know if you saw my text about that but he he come and came and spoke to uh all the film students in my class and it was super cool uh the same director as the the hitchcock uh what is it the what's the the shower scene documentary 7852 uh yeah that one i still haven't watched it that one yet what's his name um, it's like Alexander something. Let me look it up so I don't butcher his name, which I will yeah. probably do because I butcher everyone's name. You'll on have the, show. the name, but you will. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I have less confidence in this one. Uh, the director's name is uh, Alexandre uh, Felipe. Yeah. Yes. So after yeah. he did seventy eight fifty two, he did a tour around here of it, and I was doing my mm-hmm. math my first year with my cohort at Sonoma State, and he did a we did a screening there, and we did a Q and A with him, and I got to spend some time with him. He's freaking awesome. But he the first thing he like when he was leaving, he was talking about it, and I was like, I love the format of this just a documentary tackling something that people just endlessly talk about, but there's never really been a technical breakdown. And he told me about the alien one and I just, I had waited for that to come out. Yeah. Apparently I found out from one of my teachers cause he comes talk to our school a lot. He might do the circuit at the CSUs or something. He's working on one about the exorcist. Oh, um, I don't know what, Exactly, but I know he's doing something like that, and then he's also doing one, uh, something to do with David Fincher and its and his connection to the Wizard of Oz, or there's some sort of like connected tissue that I can't remember. But yeah, he he mentioned that he's working on some documentaries like that, and I'm like, oh, that sounds that sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, his documentary <laughs> but, yeah. perspectives are so odd. It's yeah, interesting. At this time, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Barrel Brothers Brewing Company. Do you ever get thirsty when you're watching a movie? Or do you just want to have a good drink with some friends? Well, look no further than Barrel Brothers Brewing Company, Windsor's oldest brewery, crafting beers since the 2010s with global purpose and excellence. If you'd like to check them out, go to their location in Windsor, California, or go to barrelbrothersbrewing.com to order online. Link is in the description. Thank you, Barrel Brothers Brewing Company, for sponsoring Lucas Two Blue Network. Well, uh, yeah, let's let's uh, jump into this. So, why don't we just kind of quickly list off? Um, so, we, Nick, we started this a few weeks prior to October um, because one of our friends, Vidi, who unfortunately couldn't be here because of work, um, she. Uh, Uh, wanted us to do so we watched some movies with her and stuff uh and on that list of movies was cabin of cabin in the woods the babysitter the babysitter killer queen which is the 1990 version that's that's the original right 1990 1990 and mandy um so we watched all of those films kind of leading up to this point currently and well, obviously we watched the Resident Evil movies, but that was on another podcast. So, bygones. Um, <laughs> but uh, Nick, do you want to tell us about some of the movies you've been watching uh, this last month? 
Yeah, I actually have kind of diverted on my usual October horror trend where I go heavy on the classics. I think every yeah. year I've just gone heavy on classics and gone really traditional with the Halloween series, the Friday series, just all those normal ones. But I broke off this year and I've just been trying to watch new, uh, newer modern takes on horror. Uh, recently, just doing the Shutter Trial, I've watched uh, one of their originals, Haunt which is a horror mm -hmm. film take on extreme haunted houses, which has kind of Ooh. been a popular thing in the last 10, 15 years. But mm -hmm. yeah, it was just one of those ones that was, I got to throw it on and out of left field, really good. Uh, kept a lot of the old horror trends of haunted house movies and transferred it to the mm -hmm. extreme haunted house style. But enough changes to where it was a modern take on the haunted house and kind of a slasher combination. And that's yeah. another thing I've really noticed is that horror just, it can't stick to just horror anymore. It has to be something else. It, yeah. It's always something really obscure mixed in now. Um, yeah. I mean, Mandy, what psychedelic, <laughs> psychedelic musical horror was <laughs> with I mean just reminds me of Michael Mann commercialism of the 90s with that cheddar goblin oh, commercial man. in the middle um yeah so what else have I watched scare me um the premise is uh, two writers, one a celebrated writer who's on a bestsellers list and one who's that guy who's like, I'm going to write a book. And he's been saying it for 10, you know, 10, 15 years. And yeah, they end up together. They end up together in a power outage and they swap horror stories, scary stories. Oh, nice. And they kind of escalate and they act them out and the lies, the lines blur between reality of what is the horror part and what they're acting out. So it's kind of eerie. But uh, what struck me big on it was just the celebrated author in it, the one who was the bestseller horror author, was a woman. And then the man was kind of a just the guy who was trying to become a horror so the the male female dynamics twisted in there and you had a kind of a this guy who was just kind of angry at the woman for no reason so um a lot of good takes on a lot of the stuff you see happening now in modern society with what's going on and you just see a lot of people that are just woe is me um, mm -hmm. you know somebody else took this away from me but the real moral of it is just do the work like you gotta put the work in mm -hmm. right so the just the the weird style of blurring the reality between telling stories and what was horror and what was actually happening in real life was kind of a good new twist on it 
of the campfire afraid of <laughs> are you afraid of the dark style mm-hmm. nice um cool. i watched the new i watched the new trimmers i had to oh man oh, i don't my. i don't know if i've actually watched the tremors movie all the way through i'll, I'll think about it but I'll enlighten me i want to know what does the tremors wa- movie look like in in 2020 <laughs> <laughs> I will watch the first one forever <laughs> just because of Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. But uh, this one, all you need to know is one of the monsters in it is called an ass blaster, and he just farts his way into the air like a rocket ship. And I was done after that. I was Why? just <laughs> It's like middle schoolers <laughs> wrote the script, man. Oh, jeez. So that was a, that oh, was a good, hilarious one. Um, total wild card in 2020 <laughs> who would have thought um, Trevor's stand- for best picture yeah. <laughs> um, I finally watched your next which is a standout and if mm. anyone hasn't seen it yet just go see it just a great home invasion movie uh, quintessential um, possibly better than the strangers in that sense oh yeah yeah I remember you that's right you gave me the the ultraviolet ultraviolet code for this one but I still need to watch Um, Hulu original did a take on Clive Barker's Book of Blood which was a good anthology Mm -hmm. series that came out this year for four little short vignettes put together Um, The one I really want to touch on, though, that we can, you know, maybe dig in is I rewatched Suspiria this year after a couple years. Um, Which one? The original or the 2018? The remake. I've seen the original a lot. You know, that the original is just it's amazing. I love it. I will forever. But I remember watching the remake with you and just being I was floored at it. It was just blew me away that horror. It came back to this whole Victorian horror era of the old yeah. style, the house on haunted Hill, the haunting, these just immaculately beautiful horror films just filled with terror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, part that stuck out with Suspiria was the beauty and the choreography is right um, I know a lot of people don't want to touch on where horror goes into the higher art aspect of art but the choreography in that film is on par with some of the best I've seen in films. I mean, up with Les Mis yeah. and stuff like that, and The Greatest Showman, yeah. which had some amazing choreography. Right, um, right. That and I think Tom York did the score, I believe. Yes, I can't, that's I can't right. Remember yes. who did the Super score? Super random. The score was just yeah, it was eloquent, and then the whole movie is just you're scared but you don't know why because it's kind of peaceful and beautiful the dancing and the music and then that end scene yeah i mean if you can't deal with blood you are done in that movie and there's no running because there's no warning (laughs) 
That's that's a film that I've been wanting to show show this guy right here. I've been thinking about it recently. I was like, because uh, I don't know, someone asked me what my top favorite horror movies were, and I think that was in my top five. Because yeah. I'm just I'm just floored by Dakota Johnson and Tilda Swinton's performance, as well as just that choreography is like nothing like I've ever seen before. Just insane. <clears throat> yeah, I was trying to describe that movie to someone, and I was like, it's like. It's like a, a, a very prestigious dance school run by witches, you know? Yeah. I was like, that's the best way I can describe it without getting too much into the deep, the nitty gritty of it, you know? Yeah. I'll, I'll have to tell you a little bit more about that one. But yeah, let's um, let's let's jump into some of these. So I, I don't know. Do you want to start with Captain in the Woods since that was the first one we kind of watched as a group? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we watched Cabin in the Woods. It was my first time seeing it. Had you seen it before? No. You hadn't seen it before. Um, so most of the people in our group hadn't seen this one, right? I think. Except for Viddy. I Vitty think Viddy, yeah, Viddy had authored the whole list. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we we watched Cabin in the Woods. It was, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's kind of a parody take on the horror movie tropes. Uh, and it's written a, by Joss Whedon. Um, he didn't direct it, did he? I don't believe so. But... Okay, I know he wrote it. He was very oh, yeah. he was involved in that. Uh, but it stars who, who does it star? I know Chris Hemsworth is one of the one of the bigger billing, but one of the first people to be introduced is Bradley Whitford. The, yeah, uh, the guy at the controls. Mm-hmm. He's um, in, the, in that role. Yeah, Kristen Connolly was uh, what ended up being as the the final girl trope. Right. What they right. were doing. So it. So it's this film that basically takes like every horror monster you could possibly think of, um, in some generic sense, and uh, every horror trope. You know, like doors shutting, locks. Uh, you know, splitting the group up, all that stuff. Running out of gas. Yeah, it's it's very inspired by like Evil Dead and other things like that. I definitely saw some of like the Evil Dead stuff um, coming through, and it's really funny because it's serious for like the first fifteen to thirty minutes, Mm -hmm. and then and then you realize there are people pulling the strings on all of these like things within a cabin that essentially are set to kill a bunch of like young college students essentially and uh things go a little haywire let's let's just say that (laughs) but yeah i don't know what does everyone think of cabin in the woods i felt like this movie totally totally pulled back the curtain in a, in a lot of ways because y- you want like y- you want to have that like sort of like paying respect to all these other previous horror movies mm-hmm. you know sort of homage going in get little points here little points to there and then they just kind of like keep rolling with it keep rolling with it and at, at some point you realize that this whole thing has just gone bonkers mm-hmm. people at the controls don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. there's chaos all the monsters are escaping you know they're trying to unravel this curse but 
you're not sure who's dead, who's alive. Like, it's it's a wild ride. I felt like um, there was some some speculation as to to who would actually get to break the curse because mm-hmm. um, they needed they needed a, the blood of a virgin to break the curse. This is, this is pretty common in uh, in these movies. We'll cover another one that does this too. Uh, so th- there is a bit of a like you, you could sort of decide like who would have really done it, who would have really been the final person. But I think this this one is is really creative, especially when when you have the sort of like uh, kind of like the the like aloof airline pilot, like Bradley Whitford guy, just comes in and you're like, ah, oh, it'll be fine. They'll, they'll, you know, like, I'm rooting for this person. You know, they're gonna win. And then it's like, ah, oh, you really don't have a handle on the situation. Like, yeah. you're, you're you're just as screwed as everybody else. Not not to mention the uh, awesome Sigourney Weaver cameo at the end too. <laughs> like out of nowhere, just Ripley. <laughs> out of nowhere. Um. No, I mean I love cabin in the woods as much as i just love just the 80s morning cartoons for me it's mm-hmm. just nostalgia overload for a horror fan yeah it's it's kind of one of those things where i like to think about it as like a a kingdom hearts of horror you have a little bit of everything. You have Excellent. you have every character. You have every outfit. You got you got the cabin in the woods. You got the you got the horrible dock by the lake with nothing. You got the little trove with out in the woods with the little grass patch where the you know the promiscuous teenagers get the little light on. Yeah. You know when Chris yeah. Hemsworth and they're out there and they're like hit the gas and they're gassing them with the pheromones um it's so funny it gives that and it also pays a lot of homage to the roots i mean we have the final girl yeah and throughout the whole conversation Mm -hmm. they're like you know this girl at the op at the end is you know whether she dies or not she just has to be the last one Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the outline of what the final girl's been since, you know, it was introduced in Halloween or Black Christmas, you know, whichever one mm-hmm. argued Texas Chainsaw. So, yeah, I I just Cabin in the Woods is a good history lesson all the way through. And it's fun too. like. Mm-hmm. I just remember the end of them going through all the boxes and all the monsters and just trying to see what I could recognize. It's like those little Easter eggs there's, you find. There's, there's no. I mean, I mean, maybe in the distance, but for for the close-ups, there's no actual like other characters. They're just like generic rip-offs of like a bunch of famous characters, right? For the most part. Um, there's generic rip-offs. Just so they can get there. past copyright. So there is very specific homages. There is one where they're transitioning okay. and you can see the twins from The Shining. Oh yeah, um, I did see that. You can see that. Uh, so there's one monster in there that is an homage to the newer version of The 13 Ghosts. Mm. Um, I forgot what the 13 ghost monster is, but he has the, uh, 
in the newer version he has the railroad tie spikes through his head and stuff and it's an homage to that mm. so there is a lot of generic but there is a lot of homages yeah and, you know you have the vampires and the werewolves and everything else that's scary right. you know unicorns right Loch Ness monster of course Dude, the Classic. unicorn the unicorn got the win though <laughs> the most terrifying so fantasy true. creature yeah well for the sake of time let's let's jump into uh one of the other movies i think we should probably end on the babysitter yeah the, most recent yeah that's that's fair um so let's let's jump into witches real quickly so this movie was weird bonkers this is not the new one that just came out by robert zemeckis this is the old one from the 90s uh and it's it's very weird so i i uh i what was i gonna say the uh this movie was supposedly marketed for families and it's also a Roald Dahl movie uh, based on one of his famous works there was nothing in this film that seemed remotely okay for children <laughs> I have to say uh, and maybe maybe it was okay but I asked someone who was alive around this time and w- who would have seen it when he was young and he said it was terrifying as a child and like everyone was terrified of this movie so clearly they were marketing this movie towards kids but they didn't actually what's the word they weren't actually it wasn't i don't know it it's, didn't feel the, like a there's like a miss yeah. mismatch in terms of uh what they were going for and what the audience was supposed to be yeah it's it's almost like it's a little bit of like bill and ted syndrome where they didn't exactly know who the audience was going to be, and there was not a lot of way, a, a not a lot of way to uh, sort of adjust for that, and that that part of it made it really really hard to enjoy seriously. Uh, you kind of have to enjoy it, uh, ironically, I guess is what I would say, mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's just it's just like it's obviously trying to be for kids but it it just is a little too freaky for for young eyeballs mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of shock value there what year did um, come out this would have been i mean uh yeah 1990 Nicholas so Ro- the, Nicholas Roeg directed this. Yeah, it it's almost. I feel like this movie would have been almost better if it was like an adult take on a Roald Dahl story. And I know that Roald Dahl movies, especially when the earlier versions of them are, tend to be on the creepier, weirder side, just because that's kind of how his books work. Um, yeah. You know, James and the Giant Peach. You know, there's that the the scene going down the river in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and whatnot. But this film in particular, there was nothing about it that felt like family friendly. They were making adult references. The witch prosthetics were terrifying as an adult. I was watching, um, and uh, it was it was just very strange and weird. 
I, I, I have to say, in terms of filmmaking, it was great, really well done. Um, you know, the transformation to mice, the witch transformations, awesome stuff. But getting there definitely took a minute. Um, and there's not really any... There were, like, there was real death in the movie. <laughs> there's a scene where uh, uh, Mr. Bean himself literally takes a butcher chopping knife and is murdering witches on screen and he pulls up the butcher knife and it's oh covered in blood and before, i'm like how mr. bean was really mr bean how was this movie made for children <laughs> i had so many questions watching this movie so many questions yeah, it's going to have to be one I'll check out. But yeah, the director kind of blew me away. I just looked it up, but he's the director of Don't Look Now and The Man Who Fell to Earth, which... Uh, oh, really? Okay. Don't Look Now is an old horror movie from the 70s with Donald Sutherland, and it's kind of credited with coming up with the uh, that, you know, that horror film twist, that famous horror film twist where everything's revealed at the very end, like uh, Get Out. Mm-hmm. is Don't Look Now is kind of credited with coming up with that back in 73. Um, it's a story yeah. about a family who tragically loses their child through an accident. Mm. Interesting. So, um, yeah, he definitely has the elements to be like a really great horror director. Have, I have not seen his other films, so probably he is. Um, but it was weird. It did not make sense for a kid's movie at all. Um <laughs> On that weird so many questions coming out of the 80s it was with all the cocaine so weird. scripts that just snuck into the oh night. man <laughs> this one for sure for sure there what and what is uh, rowan atkinson's character was like sleeping with he's the hotel oh, yeah, manager he was not a genuine and, and he was literally sleeping with one of his like, uh custodians honestly you, you cannot see mr bean the same way after looking and i was like oh, oh no. my god what is happening we were all shocked watching this i'm curious to see how the robert zemeckis one is i bet that one is definitely more child-friendly uh, but I heard it's not nearly as good or interesting. So. Yeah. No, I think one of the, you know, the standouts of witches was how just intense it was and how out there it was. Still to this day, you know, thirty mm-hmm. years later, it still shocks everybody watching it. Yeah, super weird. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's let's do uh, hocus pocus another another kind of uh family friendly film this one was more family friendly but at the same time filled with innuendos to the brim of just so many double entendres and innuendos lucas i I think you're you're gonna have to accept as you get older that your childhood movies are going to have different jokes have you watched but, Mrs. Downfire recently? <laughs> well, okay. Man, here's it. what I, here's what what I'll say. They this was a this was a Disney movie, which is whack for Disney. Uh, also, they talk about they literally talk about virgins 
and they talk about uh, that like Sarah Jessica Pol- uh, Parker's character literally is like the uh, she's she's just very open and free with all of the men in oh, this yeah. movie. Um, and and watching it, there was there were definitely more like family friendly like Disney Channel style storytelling. But there was a lot more, like, for Disney, I was just shocked. Because I'm like, this is a Disney movie. And they pushed the hell out of this film. Now, I I heard that it didn't do super well when it was in theaters. But I've heard that it's had a much bigger life onward after um, with adults that were born in the 90s and stuff. So I think it's definitely more of a Disney cult classic than anything. Yeah, but I, think I don't it, know. What did you both think this, of it? This movie just flat out confused me. Yeah, I it, similar to the 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 previous one. I'm just like, I don't know if it's for me. I, I guess not. I don't know. It's just, I'm not sure what they are going for outside of outside of I guess what, what Lucas is summation is is the cult classic like it just seems like it it wouldn't have it wouldn't have caught on the way it did if it weren't for that yeah that sort of way it comes about i will say this movie was very entertaining i i did enjoy it but i think i would not it wouldn't be as entertaining it would definitely be weird to me if i had watched this when i was like i don't know seven or eight when what this what i think the audience this movie was intended for but yeah i watched it when i was younger it just came out i think now for me anything when i do viewings of it is more of a nostalgia factor um yeah it's definitely changed like i i totally get um just seeing the acting and the lines and the innuendo it definitely has changed as you get older and yeah I think, it and just, maybe it's just the times, but I think it just was one of those that just didn't do good and found a life after theaters. It's it's an mm-hmm. odd thing how that happened, but uh, I don't know. I always remember they pushed the hell out of it during October on the Disney Channel. So mm-hmm. you know, as mm-hmm. even if you didn't get to see it in the theaters or anything, I think my age group growing up, we saw it on tv every freaking year so i think it just became a nostalgia factor for us Mm -hmm. but yeah it is yeah absolutely out there and very dark for disney with the the black magic virgin sacrifices and you know book of the dead and uh, sarah (laughs) jessica parker touching everybody everyone <laughs> so it's definitely just, not I, 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 it I, was an odd odd time for Disney I think for sure for sure uh, anywho uh, let's let's jump into uh, the last single movie that we're gonna watch that we watched was uh, Mandy uh, Nick you and I have had extensive conversations about this film <laughs> oh man I love this movie <laughs> <laughs> Duncan, uh, what, do you want to? You want to? I want to hear your thoughts as a as a new viewer of this film. Let, lay it on us. When I close my eyes, I still see the red filter. <laughs> like, 
It's just... I know the entire movie wasn't read, but it may have been. I don't know for sure. Um, this, this one was out of the three... I think we watched Mandy and witches on back-to-back days yeah like within within a couple of days of each other yeah and the sort of whiplash that you get when you watch those two um in succession is uh th- th- there's a giant canyon between those two and they uh they're both they're both big on the shock value but in way different ways and uh-huh the the musical cues in this in this movie were very atypical i didn't expect that from this kind of like super intense sort of like emotional high mm-hmm. um type of a, of a feel that i got but yeah nicholas cage can really act he he impressed me in that way um you know most of the time you hear about nicholas cage it's kind of like a like uh, oh there's you know every time he makes a movie there's there's a you know more deaths by shark attack or some kind of weird like you know like footnote about Nicolas Cage where it's not actually about the movie it's just about like making fun of him as an actor or whatever uh-huh. and I, I think that this shows that he has a lot more out there than just what most people have seen I think and this that's, movie that's is the best takeaway I have is a perfectly made for Nick Cage film I can't see anyone else playing that role, but he just did an exceptional job. And they, apparently I was reading that he just got out of a divorce and that he channeled most of that, like, anger and, like, loneliness and depression into that film. I can see that. (laughs) Uh, All I can say is I can't deal with the blasphemy of Nick Cage. I, I think Nick Cage is the greatest thing to ever grace Hollywood. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I do love Nick Cage. I think there's a great spot. And I think Nick Cage will always shine because he creates discussion because I don't think anyone can give a definitive, is he good or isn't he? Man. Yeah. You know, is he or isn't he? But um, I remember watching Mandy and immediately re-watching it because I was almost positive I fell asleep in the middle. I I really had thought I dreamt parts of it. No, I didn't. I rewatched <laughs> the whole thing two times in a row just to make sure. Um, I get intense with wow. stuff like that sometimes. But uh, yeah, it was... I don't remember the last time I was that tripped out in a film to where the film was more a visceral physical experience than just a film um Mm -hmm. you talk about the red and just um even you Lucas talking about the angry channeled I just that movie I think made you feel everything that was going on I mean it made you uncomfortable I remember having a headache from those flashing lights sometimes and the noise oh yeah 
And then there's his, I can totally see the anger from divorce. And then right in the middle of the film, there's his breakdown that everyone has when Uh they're struggling in life, his bathroom fueled vodka bender. And I mean, there is is a lot of scenes of all cinema. (laughs) It is one of the most intense scenes, but as you watch Nick Cage's character arc through the film, you, I mean, you see that's him struggling. That's his rock bottom. He lost everything that he loved in that. And I mean, as ridiculous as the film is and as ridiculous as that scene can be, you have to hold his acting in regard with how he gets the pain across and what he's going through in that moment to where his character arc switches and the vengeance comes on. Yeah. It's a, it's a very Uh, well crafted turn of the story. Yes. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I, so when I watched this film, I like, was on the verge of laughter or complete silence the entire time. I mean, actually, the first third of the film, I was I was serious. But the moment you get to uh, the Cheddar Goblin to bathroom vodka vendor scene, I immediately, like, started to, like, break up between, like, am I supposed to be serious about this? Or am I supposed to, like, laugh at this? Like, I don't know what's going on. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that the film kind of warrants that because it's a lot of uncomfortable emotions. So to laugh at it is a is is a natural way of, you know, reacting to this. I was laughing at it a lot, this, this viewing I was watching with them, because I w- was excited to see their reactions to it. Um, <laughs> my... My poor girlfriend, Duncan and Vinny and Jared, they were just like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, That's and old. I remember watching it the first time. That was kind of the same feelings I had. I'm like, your feelings are not incorrect. I'm not expecting you to feel something different than what valid. you felt. Your feelings are valid. <laughs> I just knew what was coming and I knew it was going to get a reaction out of you. You know? It's it's definitely an interesting movie. And then it just goes off the freaking rails when he when he goes on the vengeance spree where he builds and melt like he makes an axe, like a like a doomslayer axe <laughs> to like murder these like LSD tripping de- dudes that are kind of Cold demons leaders. at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Freaking uh Waco wannabes. Um, the, what you talk about how he melded the axe together and stuff is actually a really common trope in the vengeance movies. The, Uh you know, the coming out of the pit, the hole and revamping yourself. Uh, I don't know if you watched revenge. It was a recent, uh, I, I did watch that French film with vengeance. And, uh, after she, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's horrible, but after she's raped, beaten, and left for dead in the desert, she goes into a cave and has that, you know, bottom of the whole experience, and then the transformation like Nick Cage does where he was building the axe, and she does the whole, takes the 
spike out of her and heals herself and kind of like gets herself ready to go get the vengeance and it's you know I think the first big vengeance film where it was seen was Last House on the Left and her transformation from being beaten and left to going back yeah I I think like actually it's a really interesting comparison because I watched Mandy and Revenge pretty close to each other for the first time uh, Revenge to me uh, was like kind of similar to Mandy, but it, you could take it seriously the whole time. There wasn't like any moment in Revenge that I thought wasn't serious. Like I took it seriously the whole time. Even though some moments were more ridiculous than others, it was still, it was still, they kind of fed you into it. Whereas Mandy is such a like downshift in energy, or not downshift, upshift in energy from like this really depressing scene that it's kind of like shocking you know it pulls you into this like weird void of like emotion you know yeah mandy is definitely a whole different experience than any other vengeance movie i can think of too it's yeah like i say that psychedelic musical even um yeah hints of Pink Floyd's The Wall even with the flashing lights and uh, you know the cult members marching and whatnot. Um, yeah so and Johan Johansson's score just tying it all together a little yeah. cherry on top there yeah I think that was one of his final scores actually that he did before he passed away I can't kind remember I haven't looked much on his stuff yeah, well, he did, like, Sicario, and I think he was gonna do Blade yeah. Runner, but then he was dealing with cancer so much that he didn't. Something along the lines of that. Yeah. Um, that's why they called in Hans Zimmer. I'm ready for Daft Punk to do another score. Yeah, one day. Tron 3. <laughs> the, the Jared Leto... The, <laughs> the Jared Leto Daft Punk combo. Yeah, thirty seconds to Daft Punk. <laughs> That'll the, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in the future, uh, potentially when we cover Tron on the on the podcast. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do we have anything else to say about Mandy? What What do you think after hearing our little discussion about it? Does it change I, the movie for you at all? I don't think it changed the movie. It It may elevate the experience. Okay. Um. The movie is the movie. I can't can't do anything to change that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but but I I enjoyed the experience. I was glad you you brought me along. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a fun one. It's a film to check out out there because it it follows the rules, but it jumps so far from the norm that you can't tell. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an interesting film. I definitely don't see it being everyone's favorite but anyone no. interested in horror should at least check it out just to see what it's about yeah you know. if you like slasher movies you'll like this I think I feel yeah. like this is a, a really solid slasher revenge film um, it's really interesting I, I, I also if you're if you're a film person and you're okay with some of the subject material watch it because of its its level of film work its level of lighting and its level of colors are 
beyond the like most films you see in the regular box office um just from a filmmaking standpoint this film is on another level of how good it is the technical aspect of mandy is you can see the talent of the filmmaker he's a very skilled experienced filmmaker um right and he works with a very good team who knows what they're doing right yeah okay uh let's 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 uh talk about the babysitter and babysitter killer queen uh i i was just informed by duncan that you pronounce the director's name as mick g uh, which I think is an excellent name. Uh, the director of Charlie's Angels, uh, one and two, Terminator Salvation. This means war. Yep. And uh, the babies. He. It's a. There are two Netflix original films that are very based around uh, the old kind of. I don't know what. What would you say, Nick? How would you describe the what these films kind of homage to? The babysitter, eighties horror. Yeah, eighties horror. Yeah, I mean, it's very eighties horror. But yeah, I mean, from the the horror, like each character being their own carbon copy of an old, you know, either Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare. Yeah. Um. Yeah, eighties, eighties horror. It's really there. Um. Yeah. And it doesn't take itself very seriously. So if you're not like, if you like can handle violence, but you're not like super into like the super spooky stuff, this is definitely a little bit more action heavy um, with some horror elements kind of structure as as the film goes on. But there's definitely, it's definitely more of a fun film slash film series. Um, I don't know. What would you guys say about the babysitter? What do you guys think? The, just the first one before we get into Killer Queen. I mean, I'd say a horror fan or not, if you have Netflix, check them out for Halloween. I mean, they're fun. They're, they're very fun. Fun horror very fun. films to watch. They're just good energy. Um, what's the actress's name? Uh, the the lead actress. Yeah, Samara Weaving. Tomorrow Weaving, she's just, she's very talented. I liked her in, uh, what was it, Ready or Not? Mm-hmm. That was an excellent one. Yeah, but uh, I love her energy on the screen. It's just, uh, she played the 80s peppy babysitter pretty good with a little hidden agenda you didn't know about. Yeah. <laughs> And it was really interesting the who they chose for the cast. I mean, uh, who else? We have so we have Samara Weaving as the lead. We have um, in the in her her gang of people. Let me look this up real quickly. So there's uh, there's Robbie Amell. It's like the uh, the the jock guy who typically he does not have a shirt on. I feel like he has a shirt on for like five minutes, and then he takes his shirt off. Uh, yeah, he doesn't, doesn't he have a this movie? Does he have a Letterman jacket on in the beginning? Yeah. I think it's, it's a Letterman jacket and then no shirt. 
Yeah. That's the costume I'm, I'm excited. He... So he, we we mentioned him. He's in, uh, he was in uh, Upload this last year that came out. Um, he was also in, uh, he's also going to be in the new Resident Evil film reboot, live action reboot. Um, as I think, I think Chris Redfield, mm-hmm. right? That's what we looked this up. Is it the, the one that's becoming a TV series? Yeah, no, no. Or it's the Netflix is doing two. They're doing a TV series and the movie. He's in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we have Andrew Bachelor, aka known as King Batch from Vine fame. We have Bella Thorne, um, and we have H- Hannah Mae Lee, uh, as well as uh, Ken Marino, CJ from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. So so quite quite <laughs> a fun a cast, um, and starring Judah Lewis um, as his. I think it's his first role. Yeah, I, I feel like I haven't seen this guy in anything else. So. Yeah, because so he was pretty young in the first one. I'm behind um, the time. But yeah, I didn't, the, I didn't know any of this cast other than Samara Weaven and Leslie Bibb and the dad, <laughs> Ken Marino. I was really lost on all this cast. Um, they were all young, fresh well, faces what, for me, but they, I, they blew me away. I really loved them. I thought the whole cast yeah. just made it like a fun kind of watch horror movies with your friends sleepover type thing oh yeah definitely when the first movie came out most of them weren't big i think samara had a couple she of had, slightly larger roles she but might have had ready or not by that time no was this was 2017 when the first one came out so ready or not came out in 2019 oh, oh no this is 2018 it came out yeah yeah i think it came out the year before ready or not it may have it may have like trended 2019 but i think it was 2018 but she's still ready or not was 2019 yeah i definitely feel like i've seen samara weaving in a couple of other things before that she was oh she had a small appearance in uh three billboards outside of ebbing missouri yeah. Uh, let's look. Let's look into her stuff. She was in Mayhem, but most people probably don't know about that. Uh, if you have not watched Mayhem, people go out and watch it. Especially if you uh, have a if you have a bad day at work, go watch that and blow off some steam. It looks like she had some small appearances in TV and movies. She made an appearance in Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. So, I think she, I think her claim to fame may have been this movie or Mayhem, I think. That I recognize her from. So I recognize she's, her. She's relatively I had, new. I had seen Mayhem because that was, like, right around the time that Shudder was kind of getting bigger. And I remember having it. Yeah. Uh, who else was I into? Steve Yoon at the time. He was doing yeah. some awesome stuff. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, the babysitter, babysitter is great. Go ahead, Nick. The young kid kind of blew me away too. He was, uh, if it was his <laughs> first role, I think he did an awesome job. Um, a lot of confidence and just a lot of confidence acting with all those older people. Um, maybe with more experience than him and him everything 
um, didn't waver. Yeah. This is a great cast, and a lot of these are on Duncan and I's uh, list of actors in 2020 that we hope are the bigger bigger stars. <laughs> yeah, because like, you got like Robbie Amell. He was in those, yeah. those DC hero shows for a long time. Yeah. His, his uh, brother Stephen Amell, and then you know, finally jumping up to some bigger roles. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting to see where he'll go. But yeah, I've, I've definitely, like, it's really fun when you have a cast like this. You, like, pick out all the names and be like, oh, here are all these people that I've been following, and now they're in a really big movie, and Netflix deal, got them, they got, you know, the most recent one lined up, and yeah. I, I thought this this movie was really excellent at being being the kind of, like, awkward like oh how do you how do you navigate this if you're the kid it's like not quite home alone but it's definitely got some home alone elements you're like you're like oh well he's you know he's just trying to he's just trying to stay alive but at the same time like the 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 movie doesn't really set into like the first like 30 or 40 minutes and then be like the title card where it's like wtf yeah that that part was really comical yeah and you're like oh this is this just got real so that that part of it was kind of funny and then it from there you're you're just really gripping because you got all these like undead you know like superior beings coming Mm -hmm. after the main guy and he's like how does he react how does he you know stay alive but yeah his world just got turned upside down i love how mick g plays to the strengths of each actor or actress so like Nick, I know you 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 probably know who Bella Thorne is, but you probably don't know who King Batch is. Um, so yeah. King Batch is he get kind of had his claim to fame on Vine, um, but I feel like I feel like I don't really watch his content or anything. But he has a very like loud personality, um, and that was kind of translated really well into this film. And uh, as well as Bella Thorne, he played to Bella Thorne being kind of like the hot girl. And, like, how she plays, she gets typecasted as these hot girl roles all the time, but was very kind of meta about it, which was kind of funny. Um, And it was really interesting to see Bella Thorne with, like, such comedic comedic prowess, even though she kind of came from a Disney Channel show originally. So. Well, they, I think they typecasted and played to the meta with all of that i mean i don't know a ton of the actors and actresses but even leslie Bibb and kim marino the parents i mean kim yeah. marino is that just wholesome sitcom dad and he's in there like don't play with the knives be careful are you sure you're being careful son um and you know yeah. leslie Bibb, just the oh the the tough mom like i'll crawl under the house with spiders but like oh don't worry sweetie it's okay because you're sensitive like I love, yeah. I love those parents. Those those were wholesome parents. I wish those were my parents. They were great. Um, yeah. And then yeah, just the. I felt like everybody from the '80s teen horror movie was included, from the sex icon to the jock to the final girl to the arty nerd to. Yeah, you know the kid they sacrificed at the very beginning. You know the throw, the very first throwaway character that basically dies in the first fifteen of the film. Or yeah, so I liked how they kept a lot of the tropes and a lot of the characters, but just made them fun. Made what yes. was so ridiculous about them in the eighties that we see now, and be like, well, 
you know, screw it. We're going to take what was scary and we're going to make fun of it and turns out good. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, I think we can move on to killer queen, the sequel that came out this year. Um, what, what are our feelings on, uh, babysitter killer queen? I'm, I'm open. I, I was surprised uh, how sort of how fast the, the, the time jump goes. I know we watched these really quick back and forth uh, from our, our viewing perspective, but like what a difference a couple years makes mm-hmm. in terms of uh, our main, you know, two younger characters in this in this story. Uh, of course, the the older cohort of people are the same. Um because they're like undead or whatever, you know the 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 uh, the, the cursed cohort or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I was surprised, sort of how they they transitioned from this like uh, preteen phase to the the like teenage like awkward phase, mm-hmm. um, sort of coming of age in in a different way. Right. And the whole like lake party scene, you know. You're sort of exposed to all these freedoms, but what are you gonna do with them? Mm-hmm. And, and sort of the, the the parents returning. I still couldn't take uh, Ken Marino seriously. I just see him as CJ, the the sort of uh, dopey police commissioner from Brooklyn Nine Nine. I like That's that they gave him more screen time in this film. <laughs> he, he he impressed me, but yeah. I, he's still CJ to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. I enjoyed it again. Uh, you know, I felt they did good. I felt it was what a horror movie has been since the beginning. And I mean, horror is coming of age. What's scarier than freaking the teenage transition? I mean, the, yeah. the scariest yeah. years of your life where you just, you don't know who you are. You don't know who you want to be. And, you know, they transition that into a horror film. I think it's always really awesome that this horror film plays from the old tropes but it's really speaking to the new the new generation even Mm -hmm. the first film the they discuss everything from celibacy to you know peer pressure and drinking with him taking that shot and stuff it's yeah it's kind of cool that in this new one with them being a few years older does it it takes place a few years later doesn't it Yes, it's. I think it's the exact same amount of time from when the two movies released. So it would have been 2017 and 2020. So about there's about three year difference. Three years, yeah. Because he's like a he's like an eighth grader, and then he's like a junior in this next film, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I just I enjoyed how uh, you know the undead killer team cohort stayed the same, but yeah. You know, he changed for what his age is at. Uh, I like the introdu- introduction of the new younger girl. The, you know, the kind of badass, mysterious girl who ends up yeah, being cool and liking everybody. Uh, Jenna Ortega. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about, uh, yeah, uh, Phoebe. Yes. That was her character name. Yeah. Phoebe, yeah. This This movie leveled up in a weird way because... You knew you weren't gonna get Samara right away if you if you knew she was in the movie from the outset. You knew that um, his his neighbor friend was gonna kind of replace 
uh, Samara and everybody was kind of go with their because if, if you see a trailer before you're coming in you, you kind of know that the the same sort of big bads are back yeah and in that way you can kind of just level it up and bring it forward but i was really expecting as, as much as we we got like the the same kind of structure reveal uh we didn't get the formal like uh you know title card thing but we we got effective same uh, same sort of reveal with uh, Mel being the the sort of big bad of this new mini cohort of other people coming in who are, who are friends, mm-hmm. the Lake Group, and um, I thought that was an excellent twist because if you're trying to play along, you're like, oh wait, what's different? What's different? And then you're like, oh, she's different. Mm-hmm. She's the one that really changed. Yeah, I thought I thought this movie was was quite fun. I think the music in this one went even more over the top um, with their music choices, and I thought it was really fun, uh, especially the sort of sex scene. I guess you could call it. It's like a it's 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 a giant innuendo, the whole thing. Uh, but they decided to turn it into like a dance. Uh, uh, like a dance thing, and it was very they from, fun. They go from stock footage to like a yeah. an entire cast uh, dance dance party, yeah. disco dance party. Very rocking. <laughs> it's very fun. <laughs> um, I thought the high dads was a hilarious bit. Uh, <laughs> See, he just—it's um, the wholesome dad character. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh man, so funny! Uh, this movie was great. I I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed the fact that they didn't, you know, overdo it with like they, you know, I thought they were gonna like as soon as they had the twist of uh, his friends, uh, twist, you know, the twist was uh, that his high school friends are all in the same bit again. But it turned out to be just an, a giant elaborate rouge. Um, yeah. And you know, can't trust anyone. Now. No, no one can be trusted in this in this series. Um, I also like that they went back and showed how Samara got everyone on the team. <laughs> that was that was a really interesting little bit <laughs> where they went back and they're like. They're like, yeah, I just, I, I really hated, you know, I really hated this carrot and I just wanted to kill people, you know, big, you know, biggie, right? <laughs> and then they're like, the name tag part was the best for, yeah. for Robbie's character. The murder's so nonchalant. Um, yeah. No, but with the, the aspects they did of the filler for it, um, with coming into the film with as much as we know about it and predicting and you know kind of seeing from the trailer that the same characters were going to be there Mm -hmm. um i felt like they did a good job at not being too predictable and not just being cookie cutter and wasting everybody's time with dragging stories out they they played to it good with like you know the Oh, how did I the how did I get into the group story? You know, how did I become mm-hmm. part of the cult? Uh, the filmmaker used his time well. He didn't waste mm-hmm. any of it. 
for a film that we knew a lot of what was already going to happen when it started. Yeah. It was it was another fun one. This one is definitely rewarding for people that have watched the first one. There's definitely a lot of like they're like, "Oh, we're going to repeat this stuff, but then we're going to like we're going to twist it on you." You know, it's it was definitely a very like uh, a very rewarding film in terms of like if you had seen the previous film, which I, I totally recommend you watch both of them. Uh, watch them in succession because they're both like what ninety minutes. Yeah, they're not long. They're not yeah, you'll, uh, you'll jump right in there. They go really quick. So if you need a little little quarantine ben, uh, binger, that these two films are really solid choices for Halloween to to fill the void. Of your your Halloween, <laughs> I think. I don't know. Did you guys have any other thoughts to say about this? These 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 two movies. Watch them in a pair. Like They're the, worth uh, it. Just that eighties mm-hmm. slasher campy horror. They're fun. Oh. Yeah, I feel like I can't tell how much they did uh, at the lake sequence and how much was like CG'd out. Do you know anything about that, Lucas? Uh, what do you mean? Like when they're at the lake, what is a digital background and what is them being there? Most of it, I think, was was either a a real set or a on the lake. That's that wasn't. I mean, they probably shot the houseboat on a set. They probably Mm -hmm. didn't shoot that on the water, but they probably did shoot. Everything on the exterior was on in out in on the lake. That that doesn't surprise me. They probably just shot it yeah. off season in the winter when it was cold. Yeah. And people yeah. weren't there. I don't know what lake they shot at though. It looked like Havasu, but I'm not positive. That's that's what my, my guess, guess would have been. Because yeah. it's so yeah. canyony. I think there they just shoot in the winter when it's cold because that's where they did the new the Piranha remake was there. Oh really? Yeah. Dude, oh that no! Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. The these movies are great. Um, yeah, Nick, did you have any final thoughts on on these movies besides watch them in a pair? They're a good double pack. Grab a uh, beer, watch it with friends. No, I mean I don't have anything really to say about them, but other than that, just yeah, they're fun ones. They're enjoyable. They're good soundtracks. They're campy horror and if you like any type of 80s horror you'll enjoy these yeah 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 i and you i i feel like most people can get along with this if you you can handle a mild sense of gore and violence it's not like super insane or anything uh there's definitely a couple of scenes but like my girlfriend who doesn't really like horror really enjoyed these movies because they were so comical and fun. So I think a lot of people, a lot of audiences can watch this film. So if you're looking for something a little bit fun to watch with like friends or that sort of thing, it's it's pretty solid um, Netflix film. But yeah, I don't know. Do we did we have any other mo- movies that we wanted to talk about? There's no 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 more on my list. I don't think. I think that's pretty much it. I just. Uh... One movie that I really enjoyed that what we didn't get to talk about um, actually came out this year um, in the horror category. I felt like it did a lot of different things. Was the Invisible Man? Oh yeah, 
We could talk about that. Why not? We got time. We're early. It's not very long. Yeah. Let's let's talk about Invisible Man a little bit. Because everyone's seen it here, right? Nick, you've yeah. seen it. Yeah. Cool. Um, what, what did you like about Man. it, Duncan? Oh, yeah. You started the combo. The, this one was really interesting because it was the final film that I think we all saw in the theater among Lucas's uh, group. Yeah. Uh, before everything shut down. Because we so, saw, I think we saw Sonic and Invisible Man within the same week. Yeah, it was both both in February. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect from it. I knew it was uh, based on a, a previous uh, story, but mm-hmm. I didn't know, I didn't really know much about it. And I was really sort of drawn in by just the the sort of like the feel of this this the way this movie captures isolation and the way they get you with some of the just some of the the cues. Like I felt like it was a really well done, like modern spin on this sort of like uh like unknowable, like you don't know what's out there. Like you never know. You you never be a hundred percent sure if there's not like you're not seeing things. Something's not out. Something there like just out of your view. And this one really went to a place that I I didn't expect. Um, there's a lot of like different uh, like logic calculation going on when you're watching this movie. You're like, oh, what what can she do to get out of this? how how is she gonna flip this so she doesn't seem like she's crazy and that i thought it was one of the best movies that i saw uh this year given sort of what we what were offered in this weird year of movies it really impressed me yeah i i feel like i need to watch it again at now that because that we did watch that right before quarantine i think it would have been even better uh <laughs> we had someone in the chat say invisible man scared me to death <laughs> um uh yeah i i think this film actually would probably age even better seeing it after we went into isolation um you know from normal seeing people uh and whatnot um yeah i I agree with what you said i think that this film series was really solid uh film series film movie uh was really interesting it was a really different take because i know that this is technically connected to the dark universe ish mess of things um but it was really solid uh and the cast was fantastic um like read some of the cast off elizabeth moss uh, Aldous Hodge, uh, Olivia Jackson Cohen, uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen, excuse me, uh, Harriet D- Dyer, um, pretty solid casted in group of people. Um, great film if you ha- if you're into horror and you want something kind of like I don't know how I would explain it. Like it was futuristic, dynamic filmmaking, and uh like pretty small in terms of scale wasn't like super huge but it took a really interesting concept in a small way you know instead of going grandiose with it 
I I really appreciated it. I don't know, Nick. What what did you what what thoughts do you have to say about this movie? I know um, you really liked it. I did. Invisible Man is. I mean, it just blew me away. I was not expecting the quality to come out of this film. Um, the director, Lee Winnell, um, he did Upgrade, which was kind of a cool uh, body horror mechanical one, but very odd, kind of not really approachable to everybody. No. Um, but The Invisible Man just he blew it out of the water um elizabeth moss and who's uh aldous hodge just were their roles their acting was amazing and then oliver jackson cohen the the husband just his blank sociopathic stares were just terrifying I mean, I can't remember the last time I was terrified by just a person in the film. Like, not a monster or anything, just a person sitting in a chair. It's it's reminiscent of when you see Hannibal Lecter for the first time. You see a normal person standing there, but you're just so terrified of him. Um, one thing I'll love about Invisible Man, though, is which I would like to see more conversation is, is that I think this is a very, very different film um, for genders. I don't think, I don't think men and women will see it ideally the same because of the real terror that I think as men, we totally can't identify with of the, scared to walk to your car alone at night scared to be in the dark like yeah she's scared of this person in an invisible suit there but we're speaking in horror and this is a real big thing of speaking with what's going on in society and it's her fear in the film is invisible man but the fear is kind of bigger of you know the danger people can be in you know the mm-hmm just hearing stories of people I walk to my car with my keys in my hands I walk with pepper spray it, it's mm-hmm. and then this husband in this is just a textbook gaslighter I mean he, mm-hmm. he emotionally breaks this woman down to the point that she thinks she's ill and can't leave the house it's yeah it's a horrible, horrible horror film if you've ever been in an abusive relationship because the horror that comes out of this is it relates completely different than just the horror of this invisible man cheating, like chasing you. Right. Um, and then what really terrified me about this is that goes away from the original is that this isn't an invisible man. This is a suit. He, he he can change. He can go back to normal and you'll never know. It's right. I love how they did play on the original, but um, they definitely kept it in this era. And 
I am really glad that this was one of the last few movies I got to see in a theater. Because I don't yeah. think this would have played out as well. Yeah. At home. The, but, the set pieces also were really fitting for this film, too. Yeah. Uh, it does. And I'm sure watching it now, like a rewatch now, would bring a whole different element to horror, too. Yeah. That, you know. I bet. Yeah. So, that one's on uh, HBO right now, I think. Yeah. Invisible Man so was people just can watch it. top tier for this year. Yeah. Yeah, it was really solid. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Duncan. I, I didn't think about that. Because I, 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 that's the only other, like, brand new horror film that I would have watched. Um, I, I mean, I know there's the new Blumhouse stuff and platform I didn't get a chance, didn't prioritize to watch, but... Um, platform was enjoyable. Well. Um, yeah. But yeah, Invisible Man is solid. Really if you guys if you guys want a fun one, just kind of a Netflix original that's definitely family friendly, um, Vampires versus the Bronx. It's like a kid Vampires kid, versus the Bronx? It's a kid's horror movie, so it's family friendly, but it was really fun. Really <laughs> kind of about, yeah. And then of course it may be a kid's horror movie, but you know, the scary thing about gentrification in it. We're always talking about modern stuff and horror films oh yeah this looks kind of fun <laughs> i'll was. have to watch this one i didn't I even know it away. was out it's definitely for people who don't like horror but it's fun nice but yeah invisible man is just i'm glad we brought that up because i don't think it got enough attention this year with when it came out and the transition that happened yeah for sure yeah i i think this film is a definite must watch if you can handle the subject material um very very good uh definitely like i mean i've been talking with i've been joking with duncan all year long is like what's gonna be in the oscars this year we don't even know what's gonna like what could possibly be nominated and we're like we're we're like we're like there's only like three movies that could be in there it's like greyhound invisible man and tenet and then we're like, what what wild card will be on the ballot? You know, are we going to get like Sonic or <laughs> something ridiculous? Um, dude, I'll, um, put, I'll put Kevin James up for best supporting after Becky. <laughs> I never thought I'd <laughs> see that dude nod for an Oscar, but he was amazing in that. Oh my gosh. Now, yeah. Oscars who are who be knows? This... Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I know they pushed it, but there's still, like, no movies coming out until next summer, basically. Yeah. Which is... And with everything shutting down again, Italy just shut its cinemas down. So... Yeah. I don't don't know what's... I'm waiting for Tenet to come out on 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 digital i'm like why (laughs) i can't i went and watched i don't want to travel into a movie theater i have been um i went and watched the new mutants how was that Um, that was that was kind of horror right man i gotta tell you everybody who's nervous about their reshoots and recuts and all this i Uh loved it i really enjoyed really okay that's good um, to hear. I'm man, I'm intrigued. Was, I've been 
I was going to watch it anyways because I was like, I have to support this movie after all of the so many years that it was supposed to come out. I know, you know? right? The, it, it really, I think it is the perfect transition of saying this old X-Men universe is dead and this is going to be the new mm-hmm. one. And this feels okay. a little bit more like real X-Men. These are, it, it was... It was a good horror super movie. Yeah, see, horror and the genres that they're combining now are just so odd. Um, it was almost hard to watch. Like the the stuff the kids go through is it's a coming of age horror film. It's uh, really, yeah. I mean, these are it, you know, it's the group of teenage kids, I believe. Um, and yeah, it, it goes through because if you know the X-Men lore, I think a lot of it is you have to go through a traumatic event for your your power to come out, like what they did in Deadpool, where they right. put them in that tube. Right. And mm-hmm. it's about real-life trauma that happens to kids and stuff that's happening now and you know stuff that's been ignored that happens to, that we let happens to kids. So while it was an amazing horror superhero film, it was kind of a, it was hard to watch at some points. It was very sad, but I got to say it's worth a watch. I don't want to give like a ton of it away, obviously, but it's worth seeing. Um, I was nervous about how much they pushed it back, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm glad that it actually got to be released. I was beginning to think that it was never going to get released. And then I think the the only benefit was the fact that we were in quarantine and Disney was like, let's push it out. Why not? You know? Yeah. So. Because this yeah. is technically owned by Disney now, I, I'm pretty sure. Right? Yeah. It's one of the... Because the, the whole X-Men stuff's all under the Marvel Entertainment, Marvel Studio stuff, I think. I believe so. I'm not too sure with yeah. that acquisition, but I think this is the, uh, I think New Mutants was always supposed to be that bookend for the old X-Men universe and the opening for uh-huh. connecting it to the MCU. Oh, cool. So. I'm intrigued. I, I will definitely watch it as soon as it becomes available on streaming i think because that the only other superhero thing we had this year was the boys which was also really good but we don't have to we i think we might save that for a future Mm -hmm. podcast probably Um, i I still need to watch that we love that series you haven't watched the boys at all i haven't yet i still need to get on that it's it's really solid nick (laughs) i think think you'll find yeah, it pretty I, interesting. I've heard nothing but good things about it, so I'm definitely going to watch it at some yeah. point. I've got plenty of time. <laughs> this this new season, too, was uh, especially really solid. I don't know if I would say one season is better than the other. I think that this season took... Uh, uh, okay, so it, it's weird. The first, like, two episodes are a little slow, but then once you hit the third episode, it's like... A smack in the face every single episode. Nice. Yeah. I like like ones like that. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, you'll you'll definitely see that it's. It there are mel- elements of it that are very satire of you know other superheroes. You know, they've got a parody for Batman. They've got a parody for Superman slash Captain America. They've got a parody for um, like Wonder Woman in there. Um, but it 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 somehow manages to perfectly balance going super funny but also super deep and dark at the same time. Um, yeah. And it, I, I'm surprised that it's able to swing back and forth without, you know, losing its edge. It's pretty interesting. But th- this uh, this season in particular was a little, a little too close to the, the times, <laughs> I think, uh, in the political climate. But, it, I mean, the last season was too... It's interesting. I think it's one of the better shows that tackles religion in a both comedic but also uh, very criticizing light, which I think is interesting. And I say religion because it tackles religion as a whole, not just they. I mean, in the first season, they have a whole Christianity thing and the second season's more focused on the Church of Scientology, um, which is kind of interesting. It has a really interesting take on, on both establishments and i think you'll probably find it rather uh fascinating nice yeah but i think i think that's about it i don't i don't know if we have much else to say any any other things no nick any anything else no i'm good we got two wild cards cool um, well, in that case, I think we can we can introduce our next show, which you will be joining us for, right, Nick? Yeah. What the Dark Knight trilogy? Next week. Yeah. So we're gonna be we're gonna be back to back weeks. It's been a while since we've done that, but we're gonna be doing uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman Dark Knight trilogy, uh, and we've been we've been rewatching the films. Have you rewatched any of them recently, Nick? Yeah, I rewatched all three of them okay. at the beginning of quarantine, but I'm going to rewatch them again. Okay. Good. You can Perfect. hear my hot so take we... and why I don't like them. Oh, really? Ooh. <laughs> spicy. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we just finished Dark Knight this morning, uh, Duncan and I. And uh, we're going to probably watch Dark Knight Rises on Monday. But we're, we're pretty excited. I realized I hadn't watched these movies all the way through since my first viewing. So it's been a minute uh, since I've seen all of these. It's funny when he's a little fuzzy on the plot details. And you know, I, I forgot <laughs> that Dark Knight has like six acts to it. There's like oh, six Dark different N- stories in that movie. Dark Knight never ends. It never <laughs> ends. It's like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> But we'll, 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 that's a little teaser for next week. But um, yeah, we'll be joined with Nick and we'll also be joined with uh, Russell Johnston, who's also been on my podcast. Uh, he does the top tens with me. Um, so that'll this will be kind of a fun little special episode that we're pretty excited about. So yeah, stay tuned for that. It'll be next week. Uh, Batman. Batman Begins, uh, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, if you want to rewatch them for the podcast. Because we'll be, we'll be talking heavy spoilers even though these films are like uh, 8 to 15 years old. So, yeah. But, yeah, we're, we're excited. It should be a fun show next week. But thanks for joining us for the Halloween special. I know it wasn't quite as pizzazzy as last time, 
but Duncan, it's been your one-year anniversary being on the show. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Uh, so super glad that you've been a part of this show. Yeah, I remember at the beginning of the semester you told me you weren't sure you're going to be co-host, and look at you now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's quarantine. I you can't you can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but we'll see you guys next week, and that should be it. Yeah, celebrate safely, everyone. Yes, uh, enjoy Halloween. Do things. Watch a good scary movie or non-scary movie. Um, we we have recommendations if you need one. Uh, just shoot us a text. <laughs> but thank you so much for guys for watching, and we'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>